0: Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Good morning. Today is the third, the third Sunday of Advent. We invite you to read responsibly with us as we prepare our hearts. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, and on, and on them light has shined. I will lead the blind by a road they do not know. By the paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I will do, and I will not forsake them. The Lord says to his servant, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you, I will give you as light to the nations, to my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Come, Lord Jesus, our light and our salvation. Let us walk in the light of the Lord.
1: Good morning. If you are visiting with us this morning, welcome. My name is Keith, and I'm one of the pastors here. What we, One thing that we've done over these last number of months is right before uh, or right at the beginning of this uh, time of the sermon, we get into small conversation groups and, and answer a question. And so I've got a, a question for you this morning Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to to get in groups of three or four, introduce yourself, and, and then I want you to answer this question. What is the most bizarre Christmas gift you have ever received? I mean, we've all gotten them, right? Have you seen that Benicio Del Toro Heineken commercial? Have you seen that? So he gets all of these gifts, and he says, I love Christmas. I mean, they're crazy gifts, and he says, I love Christmas because it, it stretches my acting ability. Um, and then he gives himself a 12-pack of Heineken, which is what he really wanted. But anyway, so turn and and start with the person who's closest to me, introduce yourself, and then share what your most bizarre Christmas gift you've ever gotten, okay? So... Do that. You got about 90 seconds to do that. Okay. So we've all had the experience where we've gotten that gift and we unwrap it and you look and you go, oh, wow. You know, and, and you're, you're thinking, I hope there's a gift receipt in here somewhere, right? We well, <laughs> one of the interesting um, things about Christmas is that it it exacerbates or it exaggerates our emotions. Um, I heard somebody call it the intensifying dynamic of Christmas," where it, in this season it seems like our highs get higher and our lows get lower. And so, you know, if, if you've had a really great year, you know, maybe your highs are, are, are just during this season, you're just going to be celebrating, you know, ecstatically. Maybe you got a new job this year, and, or, or maybe you, you started a relationship this year. Maybe this is your first Christmas as a parent. Maybe it's your first Christmas as a grandparent. And I have I have a few more pictures. Can we uh, can we show these pictures? Of this? Um, yeah, there's there's Tabby. Now I know that most babies, most newborns look like aliens, but not this one. This one, and what's let's see the next one. This, um, yeah, she's she's pretty cute. And then there's just one more. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm showing you these pictures because I had a bunch of people after service last week say, you didn't show us any more pictures. Actually, there were only two that said that, but I, I assumed that to be a polling two, so that each of those represented like a hundred. So anyway, um, so maybe this season you're going to be just ecstatic. Because it's been a great year. Or maybe it goes the other way. And maybe it's been a really hard year. And and that those lows will be exaggerated too. Maybe you lost your job and you don't know what the future holds. Or or maybe someone told you I don't love you anymore. Or or maybe you've had a, a close friend or a a loved one who is going through a really difficult time and, and something's happening to them that, that you know, is just painful. And, and you got to wrestle through that. We're talking about hope in this season. And last week we, we looked at, um, we talked a little bit about the stress that Mary and Joseph were under during that first Christmas. This morning, I want us to to dig a little more deeply into Joseph's story because um, Joseph is kind of the forgotten guy in, in the nativity. Um, we often, uh, you know, don't think too much about his role. Joseph is pretty quiet. In fact, he's only mentioned two other times after the um, after the, the Christmas story. And so we, we can think of Joseph as kind of this passive bystander, but he's not. See, Joseph faced what was for him one of the most unwanted gifts he could have imagined. And his response changed his life, and it, and it changed the Christmas story, and I think it has the power to change ours. I want to just read this story from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man was faithful to the law. And and keep that phrase in mind. We're going to come back to that. Because Joseph was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Most of us have heard this before or we've read this before. And maybe you've never thought about the impact of this announcement on Joseph the Matthew begins with this statement. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. This is how the birth of the anointed one, the, the expected one, the one that Israel had been waiting for, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, Being pledged to be married was different than engagements in our day. It was a betrothal. You know, engagements in our day are are really about two starry-eyed couples who are planning a wedding that's going to bankrupt their parents. Um, That's not what was going on with Mary and Joseph. They did not meet on Um, Match.com. They likely didn't know each other. They weren't friends who became more than friends, who became kissing friends but refused to admit they were dating. You know, that's not the route they went down. They they were betrothed, they were pledged. Their families said, You will marry this person. That's how it worked for them. So, and they were young. Joseph was probably somewhere around 18. Mary was maybe as young as 13. And the families had put them together. They didn't know each other. And this pledge to be married carried the same legal weight as marriage itself did. In order for them to separate, they had to get a certificate of divorce. In this betrothal period, which would last sometimes more than a year they they didn't actually live together they they wouldn't consummate their marriage, which means that the one thing that wasn't supposed to happen was pregnancy but it did, which presents a very serious dilemma for joseph and i i can't um, I, I, I i can't explain uh, enough how significant this was for him you see Matthew notes that Joseph was faithful to the law or as some translations say put it he was a righteous man now we read that and we think oh well you know that means that he's you know he's a good guy you know he goes to church he's nice to his neighbors he's he's you know tries to be an upstanding citizen he's just a really good guy but that's not what it means. See, in the Hebrew, that, that phrase, faithful to the law or, or righteous man, is one word. And it's, it's a title. It's the word Sadiq. And a was was known for how devoted and faithful they were to Torah. Every last detail of the law. Whatever it said, they did. And that's what Joseph was. Joseph was a Sadiq. And he, did, he didn't eat unclean foods. He didn't mix with the wrong kind of people. He didn't keep his carpentry shop open on Sabbath so that he could make a few extra drachmas. He was a Sadiq. And everybody knew that about him. He was what men in that culture wanted to be. It's like in this culture, a businessman wants to be a CEO or an athlete wants to be an all-star or a Harvard grad wishes they had gone to Texas A&M. It's what everybody wanted. And that's what Joseph was. You see, being a Sadiq in that culture uh, meant that he was a somebody. But he was a Sadiq with a problem. He was engaged and his fiance was pregnant. And Joseph wasn't the father. And when you're a sadiq, needless to say, this is not a good thing. This is not what he wanted. And the Torah, the Old Testament law, had very clear instructions about what to do in this situation. In the book of Deuteronomy... It says that if a, if a woman who is engaged to be married is sexually unfaithful, she was to be stoned. Well, Joseph knew the Torah. And if you're a sadiq, you do what Torah says. And had people known Mary's condition, which they would know sooner or later everyone would have assumed they knew what Joseph would do. All of his fellow Sadakim would have reminded him that this sin must be publicly exposed and punished. But Joseph loved Mary and he loved God and somehow he knew that God would not want him to stone this woman. So in an incredible act of grace and compassion he decided to spare Mary from public disgrace and to divorce her quietly. He could have subjected Mary to public disgrace and thereby exonerated himself and protected his reputation as a sadiq, but he chose to do something far more gracious. But I want you to make no mistake. (coughs) Even though Joseph was acting with incredible compassion. This was a very painful time for him. I mean, this is not what he wanted. In order to to do this, it was going to cost him everything. Um, When Matthew says Joseph considered this, This word considered can also be translated as he got frustrated, he was fuming, he was angry. In fact, the only other place that this word appears in the New Testament is when Jesus is describing the religious leaders and he says, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts, Joseph, why do you entertain evil thoughts about Mary? Why do you entertain evil thoughts as you think about this situation? I'll tell you why. It's because his story, his future, his hopes, his dreams had crashed before his very eyes. We sometimes just think that, you know, Joseph is a character in the nativity set that we put up on the mantle. But this was a real guy going through real pain. He's frustrated, he's hurt. His mind is swirling in turmoil and he's thinking about where his life is going because of this turn that it's taken. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place like that where the moment the news came, the moment that circumstances changed for the worst and, and it just cut you to the core, the moment you found out you you lost your job. Or the moment that, that he said, she said, I don't love you anymore. When you've watched your friend or your loved one go through something that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Many of you know that my wife, Deanne, has been um, suffering from a debilitating headache for almost two years now. Um... It's uh, every day she wakes up with a headache. Every night she goes to bed with a headache. And it it goes from a, ranges from a 7 to a 10. And she can kind of make it through the day if it's only a 7. But when it gets to a 9 or a 10, she has to take meds and go to bed. She can't, she just can't deal with the pain. And it's, it's not just that, but, but she can't do her job. She is now on long-term disability and, and because she can't work. And that's, that's crushing to her soul because she loved what she did. It's not just the pain. It's not just the, the loss of the job. But, but now we're in this place where, where we're faced with wondering, is this the new normal? Is this what life's going to be like every day for the rest of our lives? Have you been there? Have you been in that place where you get that news where you go, Is this the new normal? This is not what I wanted. That's where Joseph is. In seasons like that it's easy to fall into discouragement and cynicism and bitterness. We come to Christmas and we hear the the, the words of the Christmas songs about being merry and having joy and, and having peace and they just kind of lose their meaning. Which is why we have to hear the real story of Christmas. That sometimes we don't get what we want. That sometimes we're in the position of Joseph, and we need to appreciate what happened to him because we will not make sense of what's happening in our lives if we don't see it through the lens of what happened in his what happens to Joseph is in the midst of his disappointment, in the midst of his discouragement, when his heart is breaking and his mind is racing, it's in that moment that Joseph hears from God. We need to see that. When Joseph least expects it, God shows up. Not when life is is tidy and put together, not when Joseph is cool, calm, and collected, not when he's worshiping at church, not when everything is good, not when all is calm, all is bright. It's when he's in turmoil and disappointment. What we need to see in this is that when we are closest to disappointment, that's when God is closest to us. It's when you are closest to that feeling of disappointment in life that God draws closest to you and is ready to speak. He's ready to say something. And the question is, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen? I know in my life, and in these last two years, I've had seasons of this, that when this disappointment comes. It's it's in those moments when I really don't want to listen anymore. It's in those moments that I want to go my own way because I've cried out to God and God didn't show up the way that I wanted to. I don't really know that He cares. He could have changed it if He wanted to, but He didn't. And so... Thank you very much, God, but I'm just going to take care of this on my own. I'll figure it out myself. And I don't want to listen. Because this is not what I wanted. But if we stop listening, it can radically impact what happens next because the Christmas story only moves forward as Joseph hears from God. And I can't stress this enough for you this Christmas. If you are stressed or you are struggling or if you are in a season of disappointment and discouragement, you need to take some time to get alone and listen to God. I don't know what He's going to say to you, but what I do know is He wants to speak to you. The question is are you willing to listen? Joseph was willing to listen and and God had some very specific words for him and I think maybe those are the words that he has for us as well. What does God say through, through the angel to Joseph? Essentially three things. He says in verses 20 and 21, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife and you... You, Joseph, you name him Jesus. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the next two things will be the hardest and most costliest things that that Joseph would ever have to do in his life. These would be the most difficult decisions he would ever have to make for Joseph to take Mary as his wife and for him to name this boy Jesus, which was legally committing himself to take Jesus as his son. He's binding himself to a woman who is thought to be an adulteress and to a child who is thought to be illegitimate. The cost of this in terms of his reputation, his life, his dreams, his future is hard to describe. It's just so significant. I mean, think about this. None of his friends would have attended the wedding. It would have been a public disgrace. His family probably would have shunned him and disowned him. Joseph, this, this boy who had always been known as the good kid, the faithful and devout young man, would never again be thought of as a righteous man. He would never again be thought of as a Sadiq. We actually see this play out in the New Testament. In, in Jesus' ministry in Mark chapter 6, he's, he's preaching in his hometown, Nazareth, which is where Joseph was from. And the people are talking about Jesus. And do you remember what they said? They said of Jesus, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? In that culture, that never would have happened. Jewish boys were always known as the son of their father. When the angel came to Joseph, remember what he said? Joseph, son of... David, right? Isn't this Mary's son? See, they won't even say his name. He's disgraced. They're not even going to reference this guy who threw it all away. His name, his reputation, that which he valued most was forever disgraced. And he'd never get it back. Do you see what it cost him? It's interesting that apart from the Christmas story, Joseph is only mentioned two other times. He just fades into the background. And you know what? He fades into the background today. Whenever a quarterback throws a a last-second touchdown pass, they don't say, that's a hail Joseph, right? No, it's a Hail Mary. He's forgotten. But I can tell you there's one person who didn't forget him. That little boy that he named Jesus. That boy never forgot what he saw in his father. The son who saw his father's righteousness surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees who simply followed the letter of the law? The son who watched his father come to the defense of a woman who supposedly committed adultery and had compassion on her? The son who watched his father take on the shame and disgrace and scandal, essentially giving up his life so that they could live? Sound familiar? Like father, like son. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Name Jesus as your son. It changed the story. It cost him so much, but it changed his life and it opened up the possibility that Christmas could happen. So, where does that leave you and me when life gives us not what we wanted? Well, I think the angel's instructions to Joseph are relevant to us. I think we can put them in a little different terms, but they're the same words. Number one, don't be afraid. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what situation you face, no matter how much the future is in doubt, no matter what if this is the new normal, don't be afraid. I know in seasons like that, it's easy to fall victim to our fears. To think the worst is still to come, that that God doesn't care. But Christmas changes that with the coming of Jesus, who is God with us. That is God who isn't far away, God who isn't disinterested. God is close right now, even if you don't see Him and can't feel Him. Those of us who are parents... Know what it's like to comfort a child through a storm. We've all had kids that, you know, the thunder's raging and the winds are blowing and kids come in and are scared. And what do we do? We pull them close. And We can't take away the storm, but we hold them tight and we say, don't be afraid. It's okay. I'm right here. Don't be afraid. Jesus never promises to take care and get rid of the storms. What, is he, what he promises is that he will be with us. He doesn't say you won't experience unwanted gifts or unwelcome circumstances, but he promises to be there, which is why you don't have to be afraid. No matter what you're facing today, you don't have to be afraid. You're not alone. Don't be afraid. Second, when the angel says, Take Mary as your wife, essentially what the angel is saying is take a risk. You can't do this halfway. You can't hedge your bets. You have to risk that God can do something good with this. You have to risk that God can redeem this. You have to risk that there is going to be hope, even though right now it feels like there's none. So what's the risk that God may be asking you to take this Christmas? Maybe for you the risk is simply to keep praying. Even though it feels like God's taken forever or or he's not listening. Maybe for you the risk is to let go of the cynicism and the the resentment and the bitterness and to trust that God's going to redeem this. Maybe for you the risk is loving that person who is so hard to love and you just get weary from trying. Or maybe for you the risk is is to serve in this season even when you feel like you can't. But you just you're going to give of yourself one more time. Take a risk. Take a risk. The conclusion of your story is not yet written. That's what we see in this story. Joseph has to make a decision. It will alter the course of history. He doesn't even see it. He has to take a risk. And that tells me that my faith matters, that my courage matters, that my perseverance matters. That God will use it. That God will honor it. See, God did in Joseph's life. He will in yours too. Take a risk. And third, commit yourself to Jesus. For some of us, maybe that's a recommit yourself to Jesus. When the angel says, You shall name him Jesus, that's a legal act. Joseph is then and there binding himself to this little boy. His future is now forever tied to the fate and future of this child. And there's no going back. There's no gift receipts. I have a question for you. As much as it costs Joseph as much as there were consequences, as as much as we see Joseph's story drift quietly into the background, do you think he ever regretted it? Do you think he regretted his decision? Do you think he regretted seeing Jesus grow up, seeing this boy grow strong and wise? Do you think he regretted all the conversations, all of the the laughter, all of the time spent together, the, the long walks, the conversations we don't hear, all the anticipation of who this boy would become, do you think he regretted the moment that he realized that this child born in scandal and surrounded by rumors was actually the savior of the world? Do you think he regretted any of that? I don't. I don't think Joseph regretted it. And neither will you. But what if? What if he had given in to his fear? What if he had not taken a risk? What if he hadn't been willing to commit himself to this little boy? Guys, I don't know what you're walking through this season. But whatever circumstance life has given you, even if it's not what you wanted... This season of struggle may become the moment you discover that God is more present than you feel and more capable than you could ever imagine. This season, this struggle, even though it feels scary or overwhelming or frustrating or disappointing, if you will listen to God, it can be the moment that you find hope like you've never found it before. I know that to be true because I'm living it. If you will listen to the words of the angel, don't be afraid. Take a risk and commit yourself to Jesus. God will use this season to change the course of your life and maybe, just maybe, the course of history. That was true for Joseph. And it can be true for you as well. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to be afraid because you are with us. And I thank you that you call us into a life that's bigger than ourselves. And when we put our faith in you and we commit ourselves to you, you do something in the midst of that where circumstantially things may not change, but inside we have a hope that does not disappoint us. Lord, I, I know that's true because I'm living it. And even in the midst of the pain, there's a sweetness there is a, a a joy that all circumstance can't explain. And I know that that's only from you. And so I pray Lord for those of us who are in this season and we're and we're getting something that we just didn't want. I pray Lord that That we would experience you in a deep and real way. Thank you, Jesus.